Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Life Podcast Team Preview Edition. I'm your host, Ian Harditz. We are talking all things J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets today. And by we, I mean myself and none other than Fantasy Life Director of Analytics, all-around baller, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. What's up, Dwayne? We had the mood a little bit down for the Patriots. Sorry to our uh, New England faithful, but I think we have much better things to say about the 2023 New York Football Jets. Yeah, and you know how we are. We're just following the data, so we weren't down. The data was down. You know, Blame the data. The signings, the signings by the Patriots were down. The uh, or almost non-existent, if you will. Um, so the opposite can be said for the Jets. Obviously, made a huge move getting Aaron Rodgers. So yeah, excited to dive in on the J E T S Jets, Jets, Jets. Head ball coach Robert Sala back for his third season. He'll once again have defensive coordinator Jeff Olbrich. Jets parted ways, though, with offensive coordinator Mike LaFleur. It always kills me, you know, after the season when we have these teams. And, oh, no, no one got fired here. We're just we're just mutually parting ways. Everyone's happy. No one's mad here. Nothing bad happened. But regardless of what they did, they did go ahead and bring in recent Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett. Maybe, maybe, whisper, whisper, nudge, nudge. That had something to do with their eventual ability to trade for one Aaron Rodgers. As you guys know, Hackett was the offensive coordinator with Rodgers and Matt LaFleur in Green Bay from 2019 to 2021. And Dwayne, we did see a similar offense, again, looking at the Packers and even the Jaguars to what we saw in 2022 when Hackett was running uh, the Broncos, at least in terms of, you know, pass rate over expected. They were 14th in 2022. And we've seen Hackett go low for certain years, you know, when he had Leonard Fournette and the Jaguars in 2017. They were actually the third you know least uh pass heavy offense in the league but with Aaron Rodgers top eight units from 2019 and 2021 and the pace has always been middle of the pack so I'm not expecting this to be the Buffalo Bills you know vying for the most plays in the league and just throwing the ball all over the yard but you brought in Aaron Rodgers for a reason I do think the Jets will be a pass first you know as we like to say with the Madden playbooks you know a pass balanced attack here in 2023. Yeah, I think pass balance. I think they'll actually try to replicate uh, what they were doing in Green Bay to a large extent. Um, so there's still going to be a lot of the, you know, the playbook is going to be designed on making things look the same, uh, running some heavy personnel, things like that. Now, Aaron Rodgers prefers to be, you know, in shotgun. He'll get under center and do those things and he's capable. Um, but that automatically will bend it a little bit more, you know, towards the towards the passing game. You lose some of the effect of play action and things like that when you're not under center. So I think it will be, I think pass balance, you know, is, is about right. That's where I've got them right now. And honestly, I don't know that Nathaniel Hackett matters. I think they're just going to run the offense that Aaron Rodgers wants to run. Like, let's be honest here. It's not like Nathaniel Hackett has a bunch of skins on the wall and can walk into a room and be like, no, nah, Aaron, here's what we're doing. Rodgers is going to be like, nope, this is what we're doing. We're going to do these things that I want to do uh, because, bro, you've got nothing. Uh, you know, you're my buddy and you got me here so that I could run the offense I want to run. But again, I do think it will be similar to what we saw in Green Bay. And, I, you know, when you look at the offense, you look at the weapons around him, he's got a really nice receiver with Garrett Wilson, but then everybody else is kind of like, what, a you know, a tertiary kind of option, not even really a wide receiver two for sure. A bunch of wide receiver threes, right, is what it seems like. You got uh, Alan Lazar, who they added in. Then you got Corey Davis, who we both like. You add Michael Hardman as a playmaker. You sign Randall Cobb. Um, so, I mean, I think it's a decent mix, though. I think the key here is, like, what kind of magic can Aaron Rodgers and Garrett Wilson get going? If it can be, and this is a, this is these are awful big shoes to fill, but Garrett Wilson did have a great rookie season. If it can be like a Devontae Adams, who was more of a late bloomer, um, you know, 
then I think there's a big chance here that Aaron Rodgers is the guy we want to be targeting in drafts to help kind of offset what's going on at quarterback this year in fantasy. Of course, we'll break Rodgers down more in a minute, but it gets me excited because I do think that there's some upside with Rodgers. I just, I do wonder how big of a upgrade this is for Rodgers looking at the offensive environment. And maybe the answer is not like, look for Jets fans, you guys should be absolutely thrilled. Uh, I fully get it. How to Aaron Rodgers to this team, you know, it's going from night to day in terms of what your now real life expectations are. They have, I believe tied for the sixth highest Super Bowl odds. And I don't think that's ridiculous, but in terms of looking at what Rodgers left and what he is going into. Okay. The Packers finished last year with PFF's third best offensive line. The Jets ranked 30th. Now, when you lose your starting offensive tackles to injury, that's going to happen. They were actually 31st, but let's be nice. Let's call the Packers offensive line, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, the run game. Let's call that a wash going to the Jets and then Brees Hall, Michael Carter, come back from injury. Let's call that a wash. Now we're looking at the pass catchers, and it's like, okay, Garrett Wilson, he's awesome. Let's say he's better than Christian Watson. I, I agree with that. Okay, after that, though. Alan Lazard, Corey Davis, Randall Cobb, Miko Hardman in Green Bay. It was Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Romeo Dobbs. Like, I just don't know, Dwayne, if Garrett Wilson being better than Christian Watson is all of a sudden going to bring back the MVP version of Aaron Rodgers because he was still running that Packers offense in the Packers offense last season. I do wonder if a little bit of this is everyone you know, not wasn't our fault. We had to follow the storyline the entire offseason, but that was the way it drug out. I do get a little bit concerned about kind of getting back together in an environment that with Nathaniel Hackett, let's face it, you know, still often gotten some of that Denver stench off him. So just in terms of, again, the big way of saying not that many big free agency additions other than Aaron Rodgers. We do have James Robinson leave sign with the Patriots. You know, Ty Johnson's still a free agent. They lost Braxton Berrios. Elijah Moore got traded to the Browns. I just like, Dwayne, where would you rank these kind of just pass catching crew in Green Bay in the NFL? Like their average? I, th I think it all hinges, it really hinges on if Garrett Wilson's a superstar or not. Like, yeah, because we've seen, Aaron, we've seen Aaron Rodgers go bananas with just Devontae Adams. I will say the years that Devontae Adams was going off in 2020 and 2021, this unit is probably better than that. Like they did nothing. Marcos Valdez Scantling, we've established this, like not very good. You know, Alan Lazard was still earlier. He wasn't even as good as he is now back in those days. So I do think it's better than the units that we actually saw Aaron Rodgers put up huge numbers if Garrett Wilson can be a superstar. Now, that's a lot to put on Garrett Wilson's shoulders. Devontae Adams is one of the best wide receivers we've seen, you know, in the last 15 years, 20 years in the NFL. You know, as far as just being a true, a true target hog, can work underneath all the possession stuff, not like a huge deep threat. Um, and Garrett Wilson's not built like him, you know, but Garrett Wilson is maybe more explosive. Garrett Wilson is a guy that could probably get loose a little more downfield. So I think it really depends on that. If Garrett Wilson is to the moon, then I think Aaron Rodgers can, those two can go together. And that's what could make Rodgers a value later in drafts. At, at least we have seen it, you know, with Aaron Rodgers just very recently. So we know he can still make all the throws um, outside of structure. He can buy time, the kind of thing that you need against all these two high safety looks. He can do the things that we see Mahomes and Josh Allen. Actually, behind those two, nobody has more touchdown passes out of structure, right, in the scramble drill over the last three years. Besides those two, it's Aaron Rodgers' third. So there are some things here to really like. Now, he's not a runner or anything like that, but I think overall the passing unit could – if there's a step forward by Wilson, be as good as what we had in 2020 and 2021. Now that's a big if. But it's possible. And again, that's the thing. Like if 
would they need Garrett Wilson to be that much better than Christian Watson? He might be. Like, we watched the guy play last year. He looked absolutely yeah, incredible out there. So it's within there, and maybe I'm being a bit of a straw man here yelling about it because, again, I fully realize the hype's warranted from a real-life perspective, but I just want to make sure we're not completely taking that real-life hype that is tied into that incredible defense, you know, a solid coaching staff and stuff, or at least at the top, and putting too much on it at Rodgers having a, you know, bounce back in fantasy land. So to your previous point, though, in terms of, like, did Rodgers, like, arm strength, fall off a cliff no i don't think we're looking at 2015 payton or 2020 breeze in that department and even if you don't trust me trust the ringer steven ruiz in my opinion one of the best nfl analysts out there did a great breakdown on what went wrong for rogers last year and one of his notes in there was just saying rogers spun the football as well as he had in previous years the decline in his production and performance was caused by what was happening before and after the throws and he went on to discuss the wide receivers in there so again garrett could bring him back but man Dwayne. Just 217 passing yards per game last year for Rodgers. He was the QB 22 in fantasy points per game. Finished behind guys like Derek Carr, like, you know, Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, who we just weren't even used to seeing in the same stratosphere as Rodgers. The thing is, could he finish at the top of this tier? Absolutely. We talked about Tua Tagovailoa a few episodes ago, a few episodes ago and said the same thing. Paying a premium, though, Aaron Rodgers going right now, pick 109.1. That's the only problem I don't like here because Aaron Rodgers has QB 15. That's fine. He's right there with Geno Smith, Jared Goff, and everyone, as he probably should be. But Rodgers, man, pick 109. Matthew Stafford, pick 158. You know, Bryce Young, pick 161. Kenny Pickett, pick 174. I just don't know that 2023 reduced to being a pocket passer, Rodgers. I don't want to pay a premium for him. Yeah, I get it. I just, I think that's just the price of doing business. I think there is a major drop off when you go from Rodgers to Stafford, Bryce Young. Not that those guys couldn't hit, um, but in a year where we know how high the other quarterbacks are going, and this honestly, I don't think this is that crazy. This is about where quarterbacks in this range went last year. I don't, I don't think quarterbacks are getting drug way up. Uh, you know, these guys that are going later, I don't think they're drug up the board as much as like we think they are. Um, Aaron Rodgers last year was nine, 10, 11 round pick. That's what he is this year. So I don't think it's really that different. Now, to your point, he had a really bad performance last year. So it's it's like, where are you on the scale of where you think Aaron Rodgers is as a player anymore? But the way I'm looking at it is I need the upside. If I'm, if I'm not going to take one of those other quarterbacks in the second round, this is a guy that I saw score over 21 points per game the two previous seasons before last year. And one of those, he was a 24-point-per-game guy. So that makes him a potential arbitrage play on like a Joe Burrow. Right, He could finish in the top six. I think that's legit upside for Aaron Rodgers. Is it likely? I'm not going to say it's the most likely, but I think it's more likely than Dak. Uh, I think it's more likely than even probably Daniel Jones, like his ceiling case. I, I think Daniel Jones, obviously, will. we've already talked about the Giants. We covered them, you know, NFC East last week. Um, there's some things to like about him, right, as far as his rushing upside, things like that. But Rodgers is one of the few guys, Ian, that we can get late that has shown us very recently that he can be this very high-end asset. And I'm looking for any way I can to offset those guys that are going in round two so that I can spend my draft capital on grabbing another running back or receiver there and hopefully getting an advantage by having a quarterback that performs more closely to, to them than what they than those guys that drafted him think he's going to do. So like Geno Smith is like another one. Anthony Richardson is another one. Two is another one. Like those are the guys I'm drafting quite often in this range because I really do think like if you put together a short list of the guys that have the upside to actually go up there and actually make noise and compete with some of those others, I do think Aaron Rodgers is on that list.
I will say we have seen, you know, Herbert and Lawrence kind of separate themselves from that kind of pocket passer tier. They have gone down to a pretty reasonable amount because you look at it, Rodgers going after the top 50 wide receivers. We spoke last few episodes more about that kind of wide receiver dead zone. So I don't see any wide receivers like in that range that I'm just dying to draft. There are some running backs, but if I haven't taken that, you know, second or third round quarterback early on and I have that extra running back, probably don't need to go quite to the well as many times in that RB3 tier anyway. So Rogers, not egregiously priced. Good, good job by you, Dwayne. You know, you say some smart things sometimes. I'm pretty happy uh, we do these together because I think I was going a little hard on the uh, overall Rogers ADP there. So good points there. Final question though, just overall confidence level because you seem like you're thinking that we're going to see a nice version of Rogers here. So on a scale from zero to ten, zero being. 2022 Russell Wilson in Denver and you know 10 being Peyton Manning like 2013 in Denver like still balling out where do you kind of see Rodgers fitting in here yeah I think he has a chance to be a, like a six or a seven you okay. know but you, you you can't can't put him where Peyton was because Peyton was walking into a, a loaded offense right this is not a loaded offense it has a really good wide receiver and we've seen Aaron be successful with yeah. one good wide receiver before but it's not like what we had with Peyton Manning um I saw enough from Aaron Rodgers last year to hopefully think like the Russell Wilson thing is still wild to me. Right. You know I mean? Just how bad it went. So I'm still going to treat that like an outlier and hope that we don't have a similar situation with Rodgers. But I think, you know, six or a seven is probably where I would put him. Final note, Zach Wilson is the backup quarterback, and he was quoted as saying, if the Jets sign a veteran QB, I'm going to make that dude's life hell and practice every day. So good luck, Zach Wilson. Again, my Zach Wilson comp is if Patrick Mahomes was forced to play every football game, blackout drunk. Moving on to running back, we got Brees Hall, Michael Carter, Israel Abenaconda, and Zonovan Knight filling out the wide receiver room. Again, apologies for pronunciation, but my last Abanaconda. name is hard. It's, yeah, there we go. Abenaconda, like Anaconda, would be better, though. I think we could go with that. Let's talk a little Brees Hall here. I will say at the time we are recording this, I'm happy what's happened with this ADP, Dwayne, because Brees Hall was going as like the wide receiver, not wide receiver, the RB seven or eight for a large portion of this offseason when no one was looking at ADPs, and I get it. And that just seemed really high to me. And we were getting a bunch of these posts on Twitter like, oh, you know, don't give up on Brees Hall. And I was like, no one's giving up on him. We're drafting him as a top eight running back right now. And yes, Look how talented he is, Dwayne. Brees Hall is incredibly talented. I get that. I can't let that be the only argument for a guy when he's going next to Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Tony Pollard, Ramondre Stevenson, Nick Chubb. Guess what? All those guys are really talented too. So maybe Brees Hall is a little bit more, but at this point, I want to get more to the opportunity because I'm not questioning Brees Hall's talent. I'm not even questioning his readiness coming back from the knee. Both Dr. Evan Porras and Dr. Jeff Mueller are expecting Hall to be a full go by week one. Edwin did state that this could be a little bit Saquon Barkley-esque in 2021. If you guys remember, he was ramped up during the first two weeks before he was fully unleashed. It actually took a fluke re-aggravation later when he just, uh, I'm still mad about it, Dwayne. You know what I'm talking about. Stepped on his own freaking teammate's ankle. No, he, stepped, and he, basic... stepped, he stepped on a Cowboys ankle. He stepped on Jordan Lewis's ankle. Oh, that's yeah. right. But he was just like standing there. He didn't even have the yeah. ball. It Plays over. Enough. Yeah, yeah. Pissed. All right. So at Brees Hall, again, I'm not worried about the knee. I'm not questioning his talent or anything. I just wonder, Dwayne, is he worth taking in this top 11? Because when you look at it, we were saying, you know, in the Patriots preview, after Stevenson, there is a drop off. 
What makes you confident that Brees Hall deserves to be someone we're taking in the third round and not someone like a Travis Etienne or a Najee Harris or a Kenneth Walker who we like? I think those are good running backs too, but I do think there's a drop-off in the opportunity we're expecting them to get relative to the other guys in the top 10. Yeah, so I'm a little different. Like, I, I totally, you know, I lean into what the docs say, just like you do. But it's hard for me to not have any concern about Brees Hall. And and not just him being ready, but what percentage of Brees Hall are we getting? Because Brees Hall, the big thing last year was how explosive he was. Like, he looked sure. amazing. 19% of his carries went for 10-plus yards. That that was going to come down some. But even if he's, like, at 15 16%, he's well above the NFL average of 10.5% over the last three years. Yards after contact, all of those things were there. My My concern, though, that was a very small sample size, number one. Number two... What if he's 80%? What if he's 70%? Or what if it's just enough that they really like him and he's healthy, but they don't want to overdo it this year, right? And they rotate more guys. So if Brees Hall was fully healthy and we had a season-long sample last year of what he did, like he would probably be my five, my RB5. That's how high I would be on him because he also has youth on his, on his side, right? He's only going to be 22.3 years old when the season starts. But with just enough questions and... Your point, the other running backs going in that range, I'm not taking him every time. I'm just mixing it up. I'm happy to take Nick Chubb on a team without Kareem Hunt. I'm happy to take Josh Jacobs, who just smashed last season, will only be 25 and a half years old. I'm happy to take Ramondre Stevenson. I'm also happy to take Brees Hall, but I'm not going to prioritize him over all those names every draft. I just think there's enough question, right? I think you could argue there's enough question even with him against, you know, if you want to pit him up against the next guy, is I've got Derrick Henry. Uh, so I've got Chubb at seven, Josh Jacobs, eight, Ramondre, nine, Brees Hall, 10, Derrick Henry, 11. And then I've got Jameer Gibbs uh, as RB 12. So I think that's, it's a fine range. Like I like all those players. I think you could, I think you could argue like after Henry, you definitely should be taking Brees Hall over Gibbs, right? I yeah. feel like we've seen enough to know that, but it's, it's just the range he's in. There's a real sweet spot of running backs there that I can't definitively say Brees Hall is the only way to go. Now, again, if he was healthy, fully healthy, not coming off an ACL injury, I would have him ranked ahead of all those guys. I wouldn't have any problem with it. But that's just not the case. I think we have to factor, factor it in even just a little bit. And, and that's where I'm at with Brees Hall. I mean, I, I love everything about him, man. And what he was doing last year as a receiver, again, small sample size, 109 receiving routes, 28% targets per route run. That's elite. 2.00 yards per route run. That's elite. Um, breaking long plays, 10% of his targets in the passing game came 20 plus yards downfield. Like that probably isn't sticky. You don't see that you know, from a running back. That's really, really high. But even if it's like five or 6%, right? There's just little, there's little things sprinkled out through his entire profile that just scream, Hey, he's got a lot of big play potential, no matter what he's doing on the field. So there's a lot to love about Brees Hall. I just feel like there's just enough question with the injury stuff, what percentage of him are we getting? It's hard to just say blanket statement. I'm taking him over all those other guys. But to my original point, that's why I'm happy to see the ADP has slid down a little bit because that is a tier of running backs, I believe. And the fact that he was being prioritized ahead of several of those names earlier in the offseason, it's good to see that he is, again, sliding a bit now. So I have been more willing to draft him over the last few drafts. And good, because I don't want to have zero exposure to a guy as freaking good as Brees Hall. Number well, one. Dynasty, in and where do you have him? Bijan's number one in Dynasty, right? Bijan's RB1 overall. I do think in Dynasty, Brees Hall's probably RB2. Like, he's mm. probably the second guy you take. Um, then you, you got Jonathan Taylor right there. You know, will be 24.7 years old this year. 
I mean, because we're taking age a lot into yeah account. Probably is. Gibbs probably coming somewhere, but I think he's top three for sure in Dynasty. I think you're right. I mean, the yeah. dude was number one in elusive rating, the big plays. That I mean, just he does everything. Man, we love coming out of college, so like these things all pile up. He got the draft capital last year we wanted. He was really good as a college player. Got a small sample, but he was really good. It's only that this is a 2023 thing and just enough concern with the injury for me. But Dynasty, I'm still good with him being top three. I mean, it's the RB7 in PPR points per game. And that he had one game where he had two catches for 100 yards and he got hawked at the one yard line on both times. And then Michael Carter scored both touchdowns. So we're talking like literally a couple inches away from him, maybe even being a top five running back. Low line Just... connoisseur Michael Carter stealing touchdowns from Brees Hall. So insane. Last thing, Dwayne, just to mention it, we do have Nathaniel Hackett calling plays. I'm not sure if Hackett is going to be the one determining RB usage with that's going to be a coach that was already there last year. I will say, as people that really liked Javante Williams last year, Dwayne, we saw Hackett mess this up. Even before Javante got injured in those three games, it was Javante Williams, 56% snaps, 37 carries, 21 targets. Melvin Gordon, 37%, 34 carries, 9 targets. Even Mike Boone had to go out there and get some runs. So, Different teams, different situations, but the Hackett factor, again, it's at least a small issue for me, Dwayne, and it's a reason why I have him ranked RB11 and not RB6. Yeah, I think it's a small enough factor, right, that you throw it in there. Um, you know, these coaches can do weird things. I will say, like, I feel pretty confident Brees is head and shoulders the best back on the roster, right? So that typically yeah. takes care of this, but yes, you can't ignore the Hackett factor because it's pretty bad. I am not interested in Carter really as a handcuff. We saw last year, they literally traded for James Robinson. Once, you know, we saw Brees was out of the picture. I know Carter was dealing with a late season ankle sprain, but we also saw Zonovan Knight take a lot of that. I mean, Ty Johnson's a free agent, but maybe they bring him back. Really good rookie year from Carter. I'm not completely writing him off, but Dwayne, I just haven't been pulling the trigger on him much late in drafts. Do you have any different thoughts on that? No, because that also like grabbing, you know, a Banacanda. Like there's, yeah. I feel like if something happened to Brees Hall, like it's probably a Banacanda that comes in and gets the chance to really get those early down, the early down work or it's Bam Knight. And then I feel like Carter's really maybe a guy they mix in in the receiving game if they do anything with him. And maybe he gets some of that early in the season just to kind of ease Brees Hall back. Maybe we see a little more of Michael Carter in their first four or five weeks taking some passing down work. I think that that's possible. It's I don't think my Carter's talent just suddenly disappeared. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I haven't really been drafting. He goes undrafted a lot. Like both, no one's drafting really any of these backups for the Jets. So if you do somehow have you know a bead on who you think is the guy to have, uh, it could be a differentiator with your last pick. You know, in best ball, I just get so I I'm trying not to take zeros with a lot of those last picks. You know, that's the one thing I've learned from my rosters, man. Ian with best ball, and I go and I look at him at the end of the season. I was like damn, I took too many guys in the last four or five rounds that were just complete zeros. Yeah. Like, it up. this is kind of gross. Like, I've been taking Robert Wood some with the last pick. I'm like, well, cool. it's the last pick of the draft. Like, he got, to your point, like, he gets he gets the contract that we thought he never should have gotten. He's probably a starter. So it's like, I've been trying not to lean, like, 100% into, oh, my God, what if everything happened and a Banacand is, like, the number one back on the Jets? Yeah, that would be really good. But what are the chances of that happening? Versus just giving me a receiver that might give me three weeks that kind of keeps me going.
Well, maybe you draft Traylon Burke. You get that, you know, week 17 bring back. I hate myself for I having you love that. memorized I some love of that. these. <laughs> I, I was saying, Dwayne, it's like, uh, I forget what movie it was, but, you know, kids getting, kid like pulls out a clarinet or something. It's just playing perfect music. And someone's like, wow, like, how did you learn that? And he's like, oh, yeah, I had to make fun of the band nerds. So I had to get really good at this instrument. So then, like, I could make fun of them. That's how I feel with uh, week 17 schedules. But, hey, Jess fans, if you guys are confident about your schedule, maybe, just maybe, going to win that AFC East for the first time since 2002 maybe you can go ahead and check out some of these games we have a ton of them in prime time if you want to go get yourself tickets do so at epicseats.com we got the season opener against the bills 8 15 p.m gotta love that we got a chiefs game october 1st at 8 20 p.m in the evening chargers games in prime time raiders games in prime time all over the place even the brownies on december 28th prime time as well and again if there's any way you want to get tickets i would do so with epic seats today's podcast is brought to you by epic seats the official ticket source for fantasy life fans again we got the schedule it is dropped go to epicseats.com buy your tickets today they offer lower prices lower fees and better service than the big national ticket sellers again nobody beats epic seats tickets on sale now go visit epicseats.com wide receiver Dwayne it really does seem to be Garrett Wilson to everyone else and we'll talk about exactly how high we have Garrett and I'm not trying to hate on these other receivers but we thought Corey Davis was going to be just someone that was going to be a cap casualty until Robert Sala came out and basically said, no, he is going to be on the team. And that leaves us with $44 million man, Alan Lord, another free agent addition, and Miko Hardman, Corey Davis, and oh yeah, Aaron Rodgers' best friends, Randall Cobb. Maybe, just maybe, it won't happen, but you can imagine. Denzel freaking Mims finally gets a full chance to show what he can do. But the way I see this, Dwayne, is I think we have two wide receiver spots opposite of Garrett Wilson. And I see Lazard, Davis, Miko, and Cobb, unfortunately, rotating just enough to render all four of them probably as non-viable fantasy assets more weeks than not yeah and i'm just taking stabs on them late in drafts if i'm taking rogers right Corey davis pretty you know he's starting to go more consistently now in round 18 but usually whenever you click over to the team that took him it's the aaron Rodgers team right so you're getting a guy that like if i had to guess today he might be on the field for starting three wide receiver sets, and then they rotate him off when they want to get the gadget stuff going, right, with yeah. Nicole Hardman. I think Hardman has shown us at this point he's just not a guy that's going to play every down. So I do think it will be Garrett Wilson. It will be Lazard probably locked into the other starting role. Then it's going to be Corey Davis and Michael Hardman most likely battling. Man, I wish they would have kept Elijah Moore. I would no. that would make me feel even better about Rodgers. You know, I know that I know that he I know that Elijah Moore completely face planted last year. But we had the really good rookie uh, profile, you know, coming out of college. Then we had his rookie season, which was really good. Then year two face plant. Um, but still, there was a chance, right, that you could unlock that magic that was still there. As far as Garrett Wilson goes, man, like this is a who's who's list. Um, so here are your PFF wide receivers that have had uh, or an 80 plus PFF receiving grade. Uh, going back to 2013, we've as got Justin Jefferson. Yeah, as a rookie, yeah. Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Jamar Chase, Brandon Ayuk, Terry McLaurin, Mike Evans, Chris Olave working in there, Drake London also working in there, Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas, Odell Beckham Jr., and Doug Baldwin. But Dwayne, you didn't say any busts there. Yeah, I didn't have, there. yeah, there's not one. <laughs> so i mean doing really good if we go down to the 75 threshold you'll get a few busts that sneak in but at 80 and above like it's uh it's pretty pretty legit stuff so garrett wilson like you can pretty much lock it in looking like a superstar 
my wide receiver 10, Dwayne's wide receiver 10. And even just looking at Garrett relative to every other receiver in the league last year, ninth among 80 qualified in PFF receiving grade. Yeah, some of the per route metrics aren't quite as great because he had Zach Wilson under center for half the season. With Zach Wilson, 8.8 PPR points per game without 17.3, Dwayne. Again, he's in that tier with guys like A.J. Brown, like Amonra St. Brown, like C.D. Lamb. And we're taking Garrett just ahead of number two wide receivers who are good enough to be ones, but they're just probably not going to have that opportunity. Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, T. Higgins, guys like that. At tight end, Tyler Conklin, C.J. Uzoma, Jeremy Ruckert. It'd be a lot easier to trust Conklin if we didn't have to worry about those guys at all. He is one of just nine players that's positioned with 50-plus catches and 500-plus yards in each of the last two seasons. Flashed a little bit. I have been taking him, Dwayne, as my third tight end in certain builds. You know, you can get him in the last two rounds, and I do think there's a chance he just emerges as the main guy. That said, with Hackett, only have to go back one to find the last time he again hurt one of these later-round tight ends. Conklin. Perfectly fine third tight end, not someone people in redraft leagues need to worry about. Yeah, and again, another guy you can stack with Rodgers late. You know, um, if you're having trouble pulling the trigger on Alan Lazard where he goes in drafts, because there are some decent names that go in that range. And a lot of times, to your point, Ian, I'm switching over to running back mode because I've already got my wide receivers. So it's like, I don't want to get Lazard. Like, so I'm, I, I've got other priorities. So I'll come back and grab a Conklin. I'll grab a Corey Davis. Um, of course, I know you, you know the whole week. 17 schedule, but it's the Browns Thursday night football though. So that's the one thing, you know, we've seen some better Thursday night games at times. Last year was not really one of those. <laughs> so I, I happen to think that if you get Deshaun Watson playing, you know, his best football and Aaron Rodgers playing his best football, like the rest just kind of takes care of itself and we don't overthink it. That's most likely going to be the driving factors, not what night of the week it's played on. Um, but Conklin is one of those names. Yeah, you can just kind of sprinkle in at the end of your draft. And I'm with you. He's typically as a third. I, I don't want Conklin as my two. It has no. to be a three tight end build. When total, nine and a half, minus 130 juice on the over. I am taking the under because based on all this, at the end of the day, we are still expecting a soon-to-be 40-year-old quarterback who has really flirted with retirement for each of the last few off-seasons to be the main piece turning this around. I could see it happening, Dwayne. I'm not nearly as confident on this as I am with the Dolphins over or the Patriots under, but, you know, we're each putting our neck out here, and I'm taking under nine and a half wins. Yeah. I feel the same about this, taking the over on this, as I would the Dolphins. My Easiest pick was taking the Patriots under in this yeah. division. Um, but again, a lot of it comes back to the same stuff, why I'm not super confident taking the over here. Um, it's just because the division they play in, you got to play the Bills twice. You know, you got to turn around and play the Dolphins twice. And then you've got to play Patrick Mahomes. You got to play Justin Herbert. You got to play Jalen Hurts. You got to play Dak Prescott. Like it's, it's a tough, it's a tough schedule. Hey, your week 17, your, uh, your 17th extra game was NFC South. So you got that working for you. Uh, I hadn't even looked to see who it is for the Jets, but like there's a good chance that works out because that that division is in shambles right now. But it's tough to go with the over. But if I was Girl Scout sauntering to the door, I would take it. I would take the over, not the under. This really good, really good defense, and I'm going to bet on Aaron Rodgers still being Aaron Rodgers and go back through these and we'll figure out who ultimately gets the most over unders right maybe just maybe get a steak dinner or something for the winner or no pack of girl scout cookies easy and pack cheaper girl scout cookies yes samoa's samoa's Dwayne, low-key number one but before we go off on too much of a rant on that that's gonna wrap up really guys the entire afc east just got through all four of these in one day as always a great day it'll be great we'll be back with nfc north goodness here soon enough so again appreciate you guys tuning in without you guys we couldn't make this happen and yeah go go ahead and subscribe to our free newsletter if you haven't already so for Dwayne, i'm ian thanks again for tuning in to fantasy life podcast and until next time take care everybody